Welcome to Spill the Tea, a bi-weekly download of life, liberty, and the latest in culture and news with your hosts, Dr. Robert McClure and Sal Nuzzo. Welcome to another episode of Spill the Tea. I'm a guest host today, back again, uh, Logan Paget, Director of Communications and Public Affairs for JMI. Uh, I would like to welcome our normal host back, although it doesn't feel like uh, he's a host. He hasn't been on Spill the Tea since last year, being uh, 2021. Uh, yeah, I've been avoiding you all this time, but glad to be back. Uh, well, glad to be with you. And, another thing yep. you've been avoiding is COVID. Yes, and yes. You've been traveling everywhere, and I feel like anyone that has said that they have had sinus issues in the last month has not had sinus issues. They've had COVID, but you luckily have not. Yeah. Not, not even a global it. pandemic wants me uh, <laughs> apparently. So yeah, it, it is, uh, it has been, uh, I'm almost kind of like the what's wrong with me that I haven't had COVID. Uh, but yeah, I've been, uh, to a number of different States kind of talking about what, uh, what Florida has been doing over the last, uh, several years, some of the policy wins that we've had, uh, kind of uh, talking about uh, the governor's uh, agenda and proposals and uh, kind of where Florida's headed. Uh, we have an election year uh, mm-hmm. ahead of us, so uh, the the national spotlight will be on the Sunshine State. So it's been a lot of fun. I enjoy getting out uh, of the office and actually getting to chat with folks. But yeah, not even COVID wants me. That's great. Well, I strategically got COVID the week before session started just so my family and I could just get it out of the way and... Um, you are a taskmaster of all things, including when you get COVID. That's right. Um, luckily, it was, I mean, it was a pretty mild for all of us. Um, and I i would love to just have a quick discussion about, like, the lack of risk assessment behind uh, the way that we're treating kids in COVID. I mean, my when my son had COVID, we would have not even noticed that he had it. He was completely asymptomatic. Had uh, my husband and I not had it, we would have never tested him. We would have never known. But yet here we are still masking kids, still forcing them to learn in pause, still forcing them in virtual school, um, in some situations, forcing them to get vaccinated, all because we're, we're treating them as we're treating healthy kids as filthy, diseased super spreaders. And it's all because adults really don't understand the concept or refuse to just assess the risks. Yeah, I was I was uh, watching an episode of uh, Bill Maher's show and Barry Weiss was on it. Uh, and she summed it up uh, better than I think anyone uh, that I have seen or, or heard uh, in terms of the response to all of this, we're now entering our third year of this uh, of this thing, and we will look back on this, and people will look back on this as a great moral crime uh, in terms of what we have done to our kids, to our teenagers, to uh, our children who. Uh, while they may get it, are not going to get uh, aggressively sick or are not and certainly aren't at risk of hospitalization or death. 
and yet we have treated them in ways that uh, I, I just are just atrocious. Uh, and, and the so, U.S. seems yeah. to kind of be the only the only country that I've seen that's really pushing for kids to also become vaccinated under the age of twelve. I mean, you even have a story uh, from New York City where a group of people went into a museum, did not show proof of vaccination, and they were arrested. And among those was a five year old child. And, and to your point about this being a risk assessment, uh, what? I think we all will eventually look at, and but what we should be looking at now are after you know two years of this, and now that data are kind of more longitudinal data are available, you've got situations where we can look at our response as a country compared to a country like Australia or New Zealand, which did massive lockdowns and had no better, no worse numbers. Their Omicron numbers spiked, and yet the response to this has been, well, we aren't locking down enough. And so you have situations where kids in New York City are having lunch outside in the frigid weather. They're having to uh, still socially distance while they're having lunch. Mm -hmm. It is just a, a, a scenario that I did not ever think I would see in this country. And for what it's worth, kudos to the state of Florida right, for right. sticking to its policy path uh, once we kind of figured out, all right, here's the direction we need to go. Uh, and we are not going to kind of be beholden to the hysteria, which is completely unfounded. Yeah, we're lucky point. enough to live in a state like Florida where we're not abusing our kids because we don't understand risk assessment. Yep. So, well, speaking of Florida, we're, we're you know, two weeks into yep. the Florida session. Do you want to give a quick update on, on all the things going on? Sure. Well, the, the, the session is underway. Uh, you know, the, the it started out really, really quick. Uh, we had the governor uh, in opening day. We had the governor uh, open up uh, the session with his annual State of the State speech. Uh, I believe uh, the word freedom was uttered 10 times throughout. Uh, the free state of Florida, the Florida freedom budget, uh, we see this juxtaposition, this contrast of what's happening in the state of Florida versus states that are pursuing tyrannical lockdown strategies uh, in, the, in the wake of Omicron. I just uh, heard coming into the office this morning that they're seeing even the next variant begin uh, great, to great. yep mm -hmm. to, uh, to 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 kind of uh, uh, the next mutation which is even lighter than omicron right. so we're gradually getting to this place where uh, hopefully we can uh, call it for what it's worth just hysteria mm -hmm. uh, but back to session uh, it, it's uh, it's I think it's going to be a great year for parents and for students uh, the the legislature is continuing to push the envelope on student and school choice, uh, allowing parents the ability in growing populations to have uh, funding directed to the educational solution that best fits their child. Uh, that is a huge win for parents around the state. Uh, I also uh, look forward to seeing what the legislature does in the tech and innovation space. Uh, while I do not profess to know anything about cryptocurrency, 
Uh, I do know that it is an industry and an environment or a landscape that needs the state to kind of come in and protect markets. And so uh, looking forward to what's going on there. In the healthcare space, you've got some great policies moving forward, uh, expanding telehealth more than we've even done in the past, which will actually put Florida in a leadership role uh, nationally. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens on a number of different fronts with respect to kind of uh, the pension system in Florida, our uh, labor laws, everything. We're kind of looking to uh, kind of see how these things move forward. I know the legislature is considering also some rather uh, what could be considered controversial bills in terms of uh, uh, the, the HB5, I think it is, the abortion uh, ban bill after 15 weeks. While it's not an issue that JMI uh, touches, it's something that I, I know we'll kind of see a lot of as we move ahead over the next several weeks. Yeah, it's always, it's nice to be in, in Florida and um, have a situation where we're trying to uh, get more school choice. You know, we watch in other states that don't have any, um, and, and we talk to some of our counterparts at, at different organizations in other states, and they're just trying to get a little bit of school choice, yep. and we're over here trying to get every child's school choice. Yeah, and it's and, a really nice situation to be in. And, and, and a credit to um, just about every uh, administration since Jeb Bush, right. as well as every House and Senate, uh, especially leadership who recognized early on that this not only was a great policy uh, prescription for parents around the state, but is also a magnificently uh, well-supported uh, political strategy. And so uh, this is one of those uh, areas where, uh, like many others, we say, you know, the good policy is the great politics or you know, great policy is good politics, whatever it is. And so I'm kind of hopeful for Florida moving ahead because you see almost no opposition to this type of policy reform outside of, you know, kind of the isolated groups in the teachers unions and, and whatnot. And so, um, like you said, very fortunate to live in and get to work in a state like this where uh, we're looking to push the envelope in this arena. End of January always comes tax season. I mean, it, it feels like it's January 72nd. I mean, this month has just felt so long. I always feel like January comes and towards the end of January, it feels like it's been three months combined into it, one. But it's been a heck of a year this month. That's right. Yeah. And so um, Tuesday of this week was the first day that you could begin to file your, uh, your tax return. Joy. And, right. Um, so you can get right on that. Uh, you have a few months if you if you'd like to procrastinate, but I think it's funny that the uh, we're in a situation now where the IRS is still working on millions of tax returns from the last year, um, and then also worrying about spying on our bank accounts. If oh we yeah, have more than yep. six hundred dollars. Yep, um, and and the I think it's the the Tax Foundation or one of the uh, kind of the groups uh, nationally that works on uh, tax policy usually publishes state by state what date in the year you work to just to pay the government their quote-unquote share yeah. of your income. I think in Florida it's a little bit earlier because we do not have a state income tax, thank God. Uh, but in some states you work until mid-April, late April just to pay mm -hmm. the tax bill 
on your state and national and federal income taxes. So uh, while January begins the process, you haven't you know you haven't paid off the government until until later in the in the quarter. Joy. Well, moving into inflation, uh, inflation I saw is at an all-time high since 1982. Um, and then I looked up the gas price in 1982 is $1.31 versus today. The national average is $3.35. So we're at an all-time high in inflation, but be careful about talking about inflation uh, in front of the president. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Because because if you if you do, you get called. Um, I, well, we you get called something we probably won't repeat on, that's on right. this you, podcast. You can Google that. But yep. in his second press conference ever, um, he really just carried himself so gracefully. Yeah, because uh, we were so looking forward to a president that was going to be a uniter and not a divider. Right. right. And, and there, someone that uh, stood yeah. up when he took office and said, "If you disrespect anyone, you will be fired immediately." And here he is, yeah, talking so, in a certain way it, to Peter yeah. Ducey from but Fox but he's not going to fire himself. So uh, yeah, apparently, uh, if you, you Google Steve Ducey, Joe Biden, you'll get the the gist of it. If you mm-hmm. haven't been paying attention, yeah. but um, uh, apparently uh, he called Ducey up later that evening and said, that. "Yeah, yeah. Uh, it." it uh, it's nothing personal, pal. Uh, right. So uh, you know, I guess that that might qualify as a half an apology. Right. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it, it it just goes to show, at least me, or reveals to me, the level of hypocrisy on the part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Had the prior occupant of the White House uttered something like that, and we could probably have examples where he might have said things. Um, the press would just go on a tear, right. you know, uh, destroying the dignity of the office, it would be claimed. And, and they, they did over the course of four years. And now we have, the, quote unquote, their guy in, you know, in the chair, and it, it is something they're going to gloss over. And they're actually going to call out Ducey for asking the question. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's something where I continue to be dumbfounded that the media um, haven't just looked themselves in the mirror and said, you know, what have we become? Right. Well, uh, we woke up the other day and World War Three was yeah. trending on Twitter. Yep. Which, which you know, you kind of log on to Twitter, see World War Three right. trending. I'm going back to bed. It's it's a right. yeah. It was a one, but uh, it, it's a, in response to uh, the uh, the Russian uh, buildup on the eastern border of Ukraine. Uh, you know, a few years back, uh, they decided to uh, quote unquote take back a little bit of the Crimean Peninsula. Mm-hmm. They managed to hold on to that. It is an occupied area, and now uh, the forces are building up on the Ukrainian border. Uh, Putin, uh, the president of Russia, does not like the Ukrainian president. So largely uh, what I'm expecting is some kind of false flag that will allow the Russian government to make the decision that they were provoked and then move in. Uh, The sad part about this is I think it will eventually, when it does happen, expose uh, the utter inability of the international community at this point 
to do anything about it. So um, there, I don't think anybody uh, is looking at this as a as a uh, excuse for uh, trying to go to war. Uh, nobody wants that, and right. and I think that Putin sees that. Mm-hmm. And so, what do aggressors and authoritarians do? They press. They try to acquire more power. They try to you know see what they can get away with. They uh, probably see a, a weaker president in uh, in Biden than they did in Trump, and therefore they're going to press where they can. And so, uh, yeah, I would expect sanctions. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's going to uh, happen. I think they will do largely what sanctions have done uh, in the past fifty years. Very little, uh, and so. Uh, it is a it's a tenuous situation. I don't profess to be a foreign policy expert, uh, but it's something that I think um, even non foreign policy interested people are starting to pay attention right. to. Right. Well, moving on to sports. So for the first time in a long time, I actually watched an NFL game on Sunday that was not the Super Bowl. Which one did you watch? The Bucks game. Oh, okay. I, I guess I probably shouldn't watch. Bucks games anymore. Yeah, um, I watched the Green Bay game just because I, I, you know, yeah. I was like, all right, well, let's, let's see what happens. But it, 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 just like you, it was the first full length, full yeah. NFL game I'd watched in a while. Yeah. Um. So Tom Brady I mean, might is, be is his, last his last game. game. I don't know. He he said something uh, on a radio interview that he uh, I, I may misquote it, but I think he said something to the effect of, "I'd rather play." and lose than not play at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So I think he's holding on. Mm -hmm. I think he still probably feels good enough to to come back another year. At 44 years old. At 44 years old, which, I mean, is just astounding. (laughs) He's like the bionic man. Uh, But, you know, on one hand, you got to give him a credit. He, He feels like he's still got it in him. He's got the competitive drive. On the other hand, he absolutely should go down as the greatest quarterback ever to play the game of football in history. With that being said, I hope he doesn't do what I think like Joe Montana and a couple of others did or Elway, which is like, go, you know, keep playing until you really are worthless Mm -hmm. on the field. And that's something where... Leave on a high note. Yeah. And and, and that may not be this year. He may have another season uh, in him. Great. They made it to the playoffs and and arguably could have gone even further without some, you know... The defense. uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, but but hand it to him for the the longevity that that man has. Yeah. I feel like we're kind of entering this... This phase of the year where there's no longer any sports to watch uh, post Super Bowl. I mean, we get into March Madness a little bit, but I feel like I'm in a situation where I could potentially like downgrade my Hulu subscription from Hulu Live back to just oh, the, yeah. the cheap oh, yeah. six ninety nine Hulu, just because there's, <laughs> there's not a whole lot to watch. Maybe save like sixty bucks a month. Yep, or get an ad in there too and yeah. get the cheaper version. Yeah, yeah I think w- w- for me February um, is kind of like an off month uh, because. Uh, only toward the end of the month, then you start getting the conference tournaments for uh, for college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, March you begin seeing Another players sport report. I don't yeah. necessarily watch until it's the tournament. Yeah. You know, like I'm not gonna. I watch some Florida yeah. State basketball games um, when we're good, but uh, yeah, bandwagon it's, it's, fan. I I truly am. Um, but I kind of don't necessarily tune in until it's like the 
the tournament. It's always more exciting in late mm-hmm. February and into March uh, just because of the sheer excitement of the tournament. Uh, you get folks who have never watched uh, a game all season long, filling out brackets, right. picking picking teams based on the colors of their and uniforms. And mascot, and, and raising then, my hand. And yep, then winning the uh, the tournament because yep. of all of the upsets. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's fun in that respect, uh, but... I, you know, I'm 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 hopeful that uh, to get it to FSU, I'm hopeful that Leonard Hamilton can have a little bit more success in the tournament mm-hmm. than he's had in prior years. I thought uh, 2020 uh, was our year, and then the the whole thing got got canceled. It right. was you know it just a huge disappointment and then um last year we just kind of uh we just kind of petered out in the tournament we just did not go as far as as everyone had hoped and so um I, i'm really hoping that a guy as good as leonard hamilton can get us to a final four yeah well in the in the interim where there's no sports up until march madness i know we've been chatting a little bit about what we've been watching on on netflix what we've been binging what have you been watching? I, I, I am a binger, so I okay. will take a, uh, a Saturday or a Sunday and just, you know, throw on something all day long and hibernate. Uh, that sounds fun. I have two small kids, and so I watch like 40 minutes at a time, and it takes me three months to get through <laughs> yeah, I've got my, of something. When, when you've got like a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old, all they want to do is sit in their room and watch YouTube, so yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm able to, to binge. Um, uh, got through part one of the latest season of Ozark, which was absolutely mm. phenomenal. I had been waiting, I think it was about two and a half years from when season three finished, um, there I need some, to give it another shot. Like I, so I watched awesome. the first season. I watched the the first couple episodes of the second season, and then they just kind of lost me. It just it got a little too intense. And oh, I, it is very intense. And so I think I need to maybe give it another try. But. Yeah, it's not something you watch to lower your blood pressure. Okay. Like it definitely gives you anxiety as you're going through this. I know. And I'm over here like. Rewatching Gilmore Girls, rewatching The Office, like lighthearted things. I, I will before say, I fall asleep. I will say what I binge with my daughters are the feel good stuff. We mm. we watch uh, The Masked Singer all the time. It is a great show. Uh, just got some awesome personalities on it. A ton of fun for families to watch. I do not watch Ozark with the young ones, uh, uh, yeah. nor do I recommend it for anybody. Yeah. Also, what I do not watch with the young kids is Yellow Jackets. Uh, great. I've not even heard of that. Great, great show on, uh, I believe it's Showtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a series in its first season. Uh, it's got Juliette Lewis, a number of other names that you would see and recognize the faces. And it's kind of a flashback, flash forward of a plane crash with a soccer team that goes down in the wilderness and they've got to survive. And they, uh, they intimate to doing some really brutal things in order mm-hmm. to survive for, I think it's like 18 months before they're rescued. And then it flashes forward to their current life and all of the stuff that they're going on. It's kind of like a lost reboot. It, it is a lost huh. reboot, but with more flash forwards than what Lost had. Okay. Uh, and it's in the in the, in the the forest somewhere as opposed to a deserted island. It has not gotten into anything science fiction like what Lost had, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely phenomenal. Yellow Jackets, yeah. Haven't heard. I mean, I watched Yellowstone. That was another one that I was like, I mean, they they kind of started. I mean, I, I've loved Yellowstone, but 
like, where's the FBI? I mean, in, in Montana, I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. That is the question that I ask all the time when, when they like, go to- Why does anyone yeah. take attention to what's going on in Montana? Bombings and assassination right. attempts and, and, and corruption and land deals kind of and all of these things. another one where I'm like, they're kind of starting to lose me a little bit. Like, it's just I, getting intense. It's it, getting over the top. It is not lost me. It, lost it hasn't me. lost no. me. No, it, I'm still going to tune in and watch it. it exactly. And I, I am uh, I'm waiting- because uh, I'm going through the latest season on Yellowstone, I waited until, and then I'll oh, you know, kind of okay. so I'll start the binge. Seen the finale. I have not seen the finale, mm. so don't spoil it. But I will say also that once I get through that, I'm going to start on to I think it's 1883, which is yeah. the big prequel that yeah. kind of uh, provides. The first episode of that. I've heard I've heard Tim McGraw and Faith Hill are actually pretty good. Ooh. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, shifting from uh, from that to uh, more entertainment, yeah. uh, I think we can close out uh, this uh, episode with uh, a little shameless plug of the JMI uh, 2022 session soiree that's coming up in a few short weeks, uh, February 15th uh, mm-hmm. at uh, the Goodwood, uh, what's it, Goodwood, Goodwood Plain. Museum and Gardens okay. in Tallahassee on February 15th. We're going to have uh, Byron York. Um, from Washington Examiner, Fox News commentator. Who I have heard is an absolutely hysterical uh, public speaker, so really looking forward to... uh to hearing from him we're shifting from our prior yeah, format it's going to be very it's going to be different yep. I mean, if you've been to our dinners before they've been um you know no offense jay my staffer's a little stuffy yeah um up at ucc and very a little very more formal. formal that's yeah, right that's what and we'll this go with. is going to be a little bit uh, more casual um a kind of our goal is to make it where we haven't we haven't been together in a couple of years. And so we want to give people an atmosphere where they're able to mingle and connect and network and then also just give folks a, a fun night of entertainment. And I think you hit on the really salient point there, which is that we have not had this opportunity to really gather with our friends, our members, the folks who uh, work with us on policy issues each year in a long time. And so uh, whereas... Everybody had a great time at our prior dinners, uh, you know, kind of say in jest, they, they may have been a little stuffy, but they were definitely formal. And what we wanted to do is, I think, provide an opportunity where you're not just seated at a table the entire time with the same seven people or, or kind of, you know, in a small group. We wanted to give folks the opportunity over the course of the evening to kind of see folks, to network, to talk, to chat, to hug, mm-hmm. whatever uh, you, you need. And then also to continue to hear from folks really at the forefront of uh, the intersection of policy and politics. Yeah. So go to our website. Um, ticket sales are, are live and we hope you can join us. So yeah. So go to our website at jamesmadison.org right there on the homepage. You can get the link to uh, to sign up, to register, to purchase a ticket. Uh, we're looking forward to a really packed house. In addition, we'll have some uh, some some games and and uh, we've got a whiskey and wine poll yeah. that we're going to be doing. So you'll have a chance to to come home with a bottle and uh, we look forward to, to seeing really you there. really great food, and I think there's oysters on the half shell and a lot of different, like, stations and, and things. So, yeah. It's yeah, so uh, we, you, will, you will come home well-fed uh, and well-entertained. Well-entertained. Well, that'll do it for another episode of Spill the Tea. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for being back in the office. I look uh, forward to being back uh, more often. Good.
Thank you for listening to Spill the Tea. For more content from the James Madison Institute, follow us on social media or check out our website at jamesmadison.org.